We are privileged today to have a guest speaker with us, uh, a friend of ours, a really good friend, but I want to tell you how this worked. A couple years ago, Beck and I went to uh, the Hillsong Conference in Sydney, Australia. We have so resonated with that uh, church and the church culture there. And while we were there, we took a break in our hotel, went to the hotel lobby. They had a restaurant. It was packed and uh, sat down at a, at a booth that sat too many, more than just the two of us. And some people that were there came and sat down with other friends, and they sat down together with us, and we met Michael and Valerie Murphy. It was just a, a chance meeting, if you will, that some of us would say, but I still believe is a divine connection. I believe God has us run into people at the right time, at the right moment. Matter of fact, I ran into my wife at church camp. I ran into Becca there when I was a 20-something, and I married her. So you never know who you're going to run into, right? You know? But we ran into them in that lobby, developed an acquaintance which turned into a friendship, which has turned into a real close friendship where I have spoken at their church. They're now preaching here. We love doing life together, seeing each other. They were just here for a day once in November and popped in, stayed at our home. It's a friendship, a connection. And so I'm having one of my friends speak to you. It's not just an acquaintance. This is a dear friend of ours. He's uh, the pres vice president of the Assemblies of God Bible School, the only one in Australia. Um, he's also over all of the church planting, all the new churches that are starting in Australia and uh, the assemblies. He's over that. That's his responsibility. But in addition to that, he pastors a church called Shire Live, and it's in the Shire. How many think that's cool? Like, it's in the Shire. I mean, that is so cool. He's got little hobbits in his church. No, I'm just kidding. It's, but it's cool. It's in the Shire. So anyways... He's, he's a wonderful friend. His wife is a wonderful friend of ours. And I want you to open up your hearts to the word that he has for it. It's exactly what we need to hear. Can you welcome Michael Murphy with us today? Hey, River Valley, how are you? I said, hey, River Valley, how are you? So good to be here. We love your pastors and if you're having trouble understanding what I'm saying, just remember, I haven't got an accent. Your ears do. <laughs> Pastor Rob and Becca have become really, really great friends. Our church love them. They've spoken twice at our church. And uh, the first time, I think, they told Connor's miraculous story. And uh, our church just fell all over them. And, uh, and they really imparted something. You are very blessed people. Uh, we love their boys, Connor and Logan. And uh, yeah, give it up for your pastors. <clears throat> We've got uh, lots of other uh, Aussie friends. And uh, in fact, some of your best were friends of ours and are friends of ours. I've known Anthony Richards since he was about uh, this high. And uh, I think we worked out about 24, 27 years we've known each other. And uh, they've got some Aussie friends. All the Aussies. If you're an Aussie in the house, why don't you stand right now? <laughs> Aussie, Aussie, Aussie! Just kind of a little, you know, primitive greeting that we have. <laughs> but look, I, 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 I think I'm almost Minnesotan, right? I went to the Minnesota State Fair. <laughs> so we started off with mini donuts, as you do. 
And, uh, and oh my gosh, those cheese curds. Where have you been hiding those? <laughs> Funnel cake. That is, that is nectar from the gods. <laughs> I, I seriously was very, very slim before I came here. And after <laughs> coming to the state fair, I didn't get to have deep fried Snickers though. Next year. <laughs> Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us, Pastor Rob and Becca. We really uh, counted a privilege. I, I know that uh, for a, a, a senior minister, a lead pastor, to release his pulpit um, is not a light thing. And, uh, and I, I don't take that uh, for granted. Um, I really, really believe that, uh, that God has put something in my heart. I would never presume to speak directionally. Uh, that's the role of your local leadership. But I feel, still believe God has given me something prophetically to lift you up and to stir you and challenge you. Sometimes I can be a bit harder than even the local team because I'm out of here tomorrow and you're not going to catch me for dust. <laughs> it's Aus- in Australia today uh, is, the Australia, is the Father's Day weekend. I know it's a different weekend for you. And I have here my beautiful wife, Valerie, could you please stand and make me look good, baby? Thank you. Give her a welcome. <laughs> but I, but I, our kids, or should I say kidults, because they're 26, 24, and 22, they are back in Australia. So daddy's away from them on Father's Day. <laughs> so can we just write, just help me out here. Can we just do a little group hug? Come on, come on, a little group hug. Happy Father's Day, Mike. Happy Father's Day. Thank you very much. You can turn to, better get spiritual, turn to the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11. My wife has just, speaking of Father's Day, written, I'm so proud of her, her first book. And this has been, uh, this is is only the second church in the US. It's literally only been out about three weeks or something like that. It's called Dancing with My Daddy and uh, Every Daughter's Journey. It really reflects upon the somewhat problematic relationship she had with her own father, who was a seven times escapee from POW camps in the Second World War. He was uh, captured at St. Valery de Coe, St. Valery on the coast, V-A-L-E-R-Y, after which she gets her name, Valerie. And uh, he came back with post-war syndrome. Um, now, I don't know whether you know that, but often some of the boys come over from Afghanistan and, uh, and Iraq. Incidentally, I'm speaking in the States on September 11. I'm like, oh my gosh, holy ground. And uh, we are so indebted to the partnership and the friendship. It's not really a partnership because we don't bring much to the table, to be honest, with the US. We are, we are really grateful for the friend of our, our big brother and, uh, and, and for all that you're troops do and, and you guys do all around the world. He came back with post-war syndrome, which literally meant that emotionally it was up and down and he would spend sometimes whole days in a darkened room with a one-bar heater and a, and a cigarette just in the dark by himself. You can appreciate those closest to him were often those that would pay the most for that. And among those, my beautiful wife, Valerie. And so she recounts the story of their journey back in England, which is where she hails from, Uh, on the ship out to Australia in the early years in Australia. But in that, there's a reflection to every daughter. You see, every daughter comes to a time in her life where she discovers her dad is imperfect. 
Can you relate to that? There's no perfect dads on planet Earth. There's only one, and he's our heavenly father. In fact, she, she reflects the double entendre of the relationship with a young girl or a daughter who discovers her father's imperfect, but also as she discovers the amazing, unmitigated love of a heavenly father, that puts the, lo- the, the, the earthly relationship in perspective. Uh, it's her heart to see this bless thousands and thousands of people around the world. And uh, she'll be actually out there. And we've got a, just a handful available. She can sign them and have a bit of a chat. Um, that would be fantastic. Hebrews chapter 11. Are you there yet? Verse 3 simply says this. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. We, we could stop right there and have a lot of fun just with that little verse. By faith... We understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that the things which are seen were made of things which were not made of things which were visible. Careful. We understand that God, back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3 says that God spoke and there was light. He said, let there be light and there was. So, In a very real way, there was inertia in the universe. There was a static situation. Some would say a commotion of sorts. And God spoke light into being. And with that, God put the frame around what we now know to be day. God continued to do that throughout creation. And the scripture there says, very clearly articulated by the author, of the book of Hebrews, whether it was Paul or someone else, they're still arguing the toss over that one. God framed the worlds by his word. Now, it didn't stop with God. Not only does God frame the world with his words, but you, my friend, frame your world with your words. When you understand the power of not just the tongue, you see, we communicate with words, with gestures and spirit. How many of you have had the situation where someone's saying the right thing and they might even do it, be saying it with the right expression, but there's something kind of icky about that. It's not like, oh, I somehow don't believe you. You're hearing their spirit speak too loudly. When we align our words, our gestures, our spirit with what God has already said, there is a powerful momentum that is created. If you just duck back just a couple of verses really, to verse 23 of the previous chapter, I want to go on with this thought. Hebrews 10, 23 simply says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. There's an interesting thing as we drill into that word confession. Hope is a beautiful thing. Sparkle is all about hope this year. We love Christine Kane, Christine and Nick. In fact, I married Christine many years ago. I mean, I'm married to my wife, but I married Christine and and Nick, her husband. In fact, just wanted to kind of get that really clear there. Uh, What I do for a job, it's handy just to have one wife, and uh, that's working very well. Thanks very much. Thanks for asking. And so Christine Kane is a machine. She is an anointed weapon of God. Ladies, hold on to your hats. You, you, you need to get, 
no one's got hats on. That's a silly thing to say. Buckle your seatbelt. It's really going to be a powerful time. What a wonderful opportunity as you're heading out of summer into fall to, to invite a bunch of your girlfriends, I'm speaking to the ladies, and, uh, and get them along to sparkle and see their lives radically transformed. How many would like a bit of that? I think, and, and you need to get on the front foot. Don't just buy a ticket for you. Buy one for your friend as well. That'd be fantastic. Let us hold fast the hope. Everyone say hope. The hope of our, the confession of our faith. This word confession is interesting. It's the word in the original language, New Testament written in Greek, Old Testament in Hebrew. Not a history lesson or a Greek or Hebrew, but just a little thought. Homo legia was the original word, the Greek word. Homo meaning same, legia meaning word, same word. Hold fast the same word of your faith. What's the same word? The same word of what, as what? The same word as that school teacher spoke over your life to pull you down? Uh-uh. The same word as that ex-husband or wife that was really embittered and hurt and spoke things out that cut you deeply or maybe a, a, a maverick dad or mum or a, an authority figure? What about the same word that so often happens between your ears when you're sick and you feel misery, like a, a misery party, a pity party that's going on around you and you want to invite everyone else to be part of that as well? What about the, the words that are spoken between your ears when you look at your bank account and you're broke? What about the words that, that spo, sp, speak into your heart when you have a, a, a contentious moment with your spouse that says, man, this relationship's going nowhere. What about that word in your heart of hopelessness where you have a son or a daughter that leaves, storms out of home in a rebellious moment? Is it that kind of same word that the Scripture is talking about? Not on your life. The Bible says, the Word of God says, we can hold fast the hope of the confession of the same word that God has already spoken over our lives. So that when you are sick, when you're suffering the symptoms of sickness, the facts might be that you're not feeling well. You can sit and wallow in those facts all you like. <laughs> Here's an invitation to my pity party. Please come along. I'm very lonely. I love it when other people come and we can be piteous together. <laughs> you can sit in the facts of what's going on in your life or you can understand there's a higher prevailing truth of what God's Word says over that situation. You might be feeling symptoms of sickness, but the Bible says, by His stripes, you were healed. You might look at your bank account and see that you're broke. You can sit and wallow in that. Or you can understand that there's a truth higher than the facts that says God promises to supply all of your needs out of His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I just feel like preaching today. <laughs> so warm, you're so nice. Put out with a silly Aussie. God wants you not to wallow in the facts, that God wants you to rise up in the truth. And so when the Scripture talks about to say the same thing, it's talking about the same thing that God has already said. Now, many of us start out really, really good with this. There's a, there's a freshness in our hearts. God explodes something on the inside. And we just can't get enough of God's Word. We can't seem to speak enough about the wonderful works of God. And then we just come off the boil. And we kind of just get slack. We just start to cruise. 
And we still sometimes say the same words, praise God, hallelujah, glory be to God. But it's just coming from here. The scripture says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were created by the word of God. It's not just shallow words. We understand that we might be suffering sickness. Some, some of you need to hear this today. There's this nagging sickness. Some of you are chronic illness. And I'm not belying or mitigating the horrible situation of someone that's been diagnosed with something. But if we're not careful, our faith come, the edge of our faith sits back and we start to accept maybe something much less than God, what God intended. And so it's not a striving thing. It's not like, I will be healed, I will be healed. It's like, no, that's the facts of what's going on, but this is the truth. Facts are we've got difficulties in our marriage. Truth is, God says, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind to see that thing turn around. Does that make sense? You go way back in the garden, and, uh, and the first mention where where this whole scenario started to happen. God had spoken his word over Adam and Eve and therefore over the future human race. He, he, he had lavished on them. He had said, of all the trees in the garden, you can have it all, smell it, taste it. You've got that funnel cake tree over in the corner there. Get into it. You've got that fries Snickers bar tree over in the right. Enjoy. He said, all of it, you know, but just don't touch that one tree. Now here's the devil comes sliding in on his belly in the form of a snake. All he had to say, you don't see him saying, God's really mean. God's a loser. God's really, really bad. All he had to say was, Tell me this, Eve, did God really say? Did, did God really say? You know that promise that you've been struggling to hold on to, that dream that when God caused you to be born again and, and your sin was forgiven and there was excitement that fill, filled your heart and thrilled your life. And you started to push toward that. And then circumstances knocked you around on either side. And you started to go, oh man, I don't know whether this is ever going to happen. Did God really say? That's all he has to say. And you start to align with that word that'll keep you wallowing in the facts of what's going on in your life rather than right. Some of you today, I feel quickened to say this, some of you today, the dreams of God will come alive once again. As you repent of believing that word and you determine to believe this word, God can cause those dreams to shake up in your spirit once again and to literally come alive. No, I'm not just talking about 17-year-olds and 27-year-olds. Some of you will have your dreams awakened at 57 and 67 and 77. You are never to a while there's breath, there's hope. God is wanting to use your life in a really significant way. You can frame your world like this or you can frame your world as an expansive God kind of world like that. Which word 
Are you going to listen to? Word of the facts. Word of God. You know, Minneapolis and Sydney have a number of things in common. The, uh, the weather's not one of those. <laughs> we hardly have seasons. Seasons are nice. You have, you have some seasons that are long seasons up here. And, uh, but one of the things that's in common, I, I've had the privilege of traveling to the States, I don't know, 40 or 50 times over the last 25 years. And this year has been a particularly busy one. This is my fifth trip to the United States. And so in that time, I get to speak at some great churches, north, south, east and west. And I've noticed very distinctly, and I don't need to be a prophet to say this, but below the Mason-Dixon line, it's actually quite a, a different spiritually than, than what you guys have to endure up here. You're a bit like, more like Sydney. It's basically a secular environment um, and without in any way decrying the great work that some are doing in the Deep South, it's actually a very different deal. In Sydney, we have basically an antagonistic culture to the gospel. And you are here as, as frankly, missionaries to a society that's incredibly influential. The most significant city of that second tier in the whole of the United States. Some amazing influence that God has given you. But it behoves you to step up into that influence and to understand through the Spirit of God what's God's word over this, not just what is the word of man. At the end of the service, just in probably about two and a half hours, I like to speak long. <laughs> I ain't joking. We're going to be, I'm going to be praying with every single person here who would say, Michael, you know what? It's so easy, even in our US culture, even though we live in Minneapolis, it's so easy to wear a mask around. It's so easy to kind of put a facade up, even sometimes between me and God. And I'm going to invite you to throw that mask away. I'm going to invite you to, to get from behind the facade and just come open-hearted to your Heavenly Father. Talk to Daddy. And we're going to, we're going to pray a prayer at the end of the service that would say, Oh God, I realise there's a distance that's grown up between you and me. God, could you please come back into my life? God, could you just breathe life, spiritual life, as I acknowledge that I need you once again? We're going we're to do that in 10 or 15 minutes' time. And so I just want to preempt that. So for those of you that are sitting here, you're going, this is awesome. Great worship and silly Aussie and, and, and the Word of God even, and it's great. We're not going to leave you wondering at the end of the service or wandering. You can walk out of here quite differently to the way you came in. It'll be an absolute joy if, if there was one person, you, or two or 10 or 15 or 20 or 50, who would say, you know what, I need to for the very first time connect my heart to Jesus. I need to sh cast off the shackles of religion and I've got to come into the sweetness of the beautiful relationship that I can enjoy with him. Or maybe you did know Jesus really well and you've wandered away. Uh, we can do some business with God as well. Now's the time. We haven't got time to waste. This is a real transition season for the church. There's great momentum that's happening. It could either just be a corporate momentum where you go, yay team, and cheer it on as a spectator. God's, not, God's got much more for you than that. God, God's wanting you to jump right in. The water's fine. And engage for momentum in your life and the life of those around you in your great city. You know, the law of momentum 
uh, devised by the Apple guy, uh, Sir Isaac Newton. The guy got the apple on the head and said, wow, this is amazing, uh, gravity. But momentum, its first law says that, that an object that is stationary or inert, good word that, inert, I'm going to say inert, will stay that way unless a force is applied to it. And in fact, the degree of momentum is directly proportional to the degree of force applied. Voila. I'm far from a scientist. Now, here's where that applies to you. We've got lots of forces in our lives, some good, some bad, some ugly. The Holy Spirit is a power. He's more than a force. He's a person. But the the force of his power is such a motivating and an empowering uh, thing that would take us toward victory in our lives. You know, the force of wisdom applying God's principles in our lives is also very, very wonderful. But I think one of the greatest forces that God gives us is the power of our tongue, aligned with our heart and aligned with God's words. You get those things together, you literally can create or recreate your world. Back to the garden, back to the snake. So this snake simply undermined what God had said. And the snake continues to speak. Many of us get spoken to by snakes. Many of us are sadly snake bitten by situations of fear and anxiety and all that kind of stuff. I, um, I was on a plane just the other day coming back from the States. And uh, I was sitting next to someone and I, we'd got an upgrade, which I'd only been in the in the country for three days, and so it was important to get out. And uh, <clears throat> important to get some sleep. I introduced me, myself to the guy next to me. I'm Michael, because that's my name, and he said, I'm Wes. Now, that meant nothing to me until he told me that, we, that he was Steve Irwin's best buddy. Anyone, anyone remember Steve, the crocodile hunter, crocodile man? Yeah. And, uh, and so I was like a kid in a candy store. I was like, oh my gosh, how cool is this? This guy's stuck with me for 14 hours. And so we got chatting and I was really excited. He was telling me about all the different sorts of snakes and so forth. And in fact, he has a five-year-old who he said was, had just tailed his first poisonous snake. He's like, oh, so cool. A bit like Steve. Oh, so, oh man. It was all, and he picked it. I thought, wow, that's really interesting. I said, what about crocs? Have you had any encounters with them? He said, oh, yeah, I did. He said, Steve and I were cleaning out the croc lagoon, the enclosure, and late one afternoon, the waters were really murky. And he said, I had this guy on watch and he goofed off. And uh, I was bending over, cleaning the side of the wall, and this croc snapped me about a 12-footer, the top of my butt, down to the bottom of my thighs, concertinaed me. I'm like, oh my gosh. And he said, and then I, and I did a death roll out of it. I said, that was a good move. And so he, I threw back. And he said, the croc came out of the water. I looked up and saw his jaws about to crush my head, as they do. And he said, Steve Irwin, in the midst of it, I could hear the music. Steve Irwin jumped and crash-tackled this croc on the way down to my head and saved my life. I felt like standing up in business class saying, I love you, Steve Irwin. <laughs> you say, what's that got to do with your message? Absolutely nothing, but it's a cool story, eh? <laughs> <laughs> No, it has in that when we goof off and we allow, we allow our, our thought life and our confession to get very, very murky, where sometimes we rise up, so often second and third tier, once we've worried, once we've been fearful, once we've been you know, rejected and all hurt and wounded, we go, oh, that's right, God. It's all very murky. And you stop 
vigilantly watching out, you are absolutely a subject of potential attack. That's what happens to us. We think we're hello. We think we're powerless to actually engage with the promises of God. And yet he's given us this great force that is his word. And, and actually, we don't use it. We don't align our hearts with what God has said over our sickness, what God has said over our lack, what God has said over our relational contention. How you doing? Good, good, very well. And so we go back to the garden. I bought it at uh, <laughs> National Geographic. In the garden, is the snake a good snake or a bad snake? In the garden, is the snake a good snake or a bad snake? We go to Numbers chapter 21, and we see a really interesting story where, where God has basically had it up to here with the children of Israel. In fact, they start to murmur. They allow the murky waters of their confession to, 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 to meander in the morass of mediocrity and negativity. And so they're whinging about God. They're saying, ah, oh, we don't like this food God has given us. And, uh, and, and so he says, enough. He said, I've taken you out of Egypt. Remember the plagues, guys? Remember the parting of the Red Sea? That was pretty cool, huh? Worth a little bit of applause maybe for, for the children of Israel. I fed you when there was no food, bread, and then you wind, so I gave you more quails than you could poke a stick at. And then, and then I, I fed, I, I, you get water from the rock. And now you're whinging. Now you're complaining. Enough. God sends a bunch of fiery serpents. They're biting the children of Israel. And they're dying. Heaps of them are dying. Children of Israel say, oh no, we've upset God again. Moses, pray to God that he would take these things away. Moses spoke to God. Everyone say, Moses spoke to God. God spoke to Moses. God said, Moses, I want you to put a snake, a serpent on a pole. Connor, come and help me, buddy. I love this guy. He's awesome. You're famous in Australia. <laughs> Put a snake on a pole. A serpent, you know, any doctors in the house, medical doctors? Any medical doctors? The, the whole notion, the whole symbol, have you seen, I think you have that here, of the snake wrapped around the pole. That's where this comes from. God says, put a snake on a pole and hold it up. And when the people look to the the serpent, the bronze serpent on the pole, they will be healed. Now, here's my problem. Where did Connor go? He got raptured. We're all in trouble. Oh, <laughs> thanks, buddy. <clears throat> I'm going to take you everywhere I go to preach. You are, you're awesome. Snake in the garden, good snake or bad snake? Yeah. Snake on the pole, good snake or bad snake? Garden? Yeah. Paul? It's good. good. Actually, it's a wonder I didn't get this from the Minnesota State Fair because everything else was on a stick. 
I saw one stall that said, we have nothing on a stick. I was like, wow. Bear with me here for a moment. Snake in the garden, slithery, undermining, deceptive. Fiery serpents, God says, put the snake on a pole and hold it up. When the people look to the snake on the pole, they will be healed. Now that's terribly confusing for me. I go, bad snake, good snake, God, make up your mind. Until we go to John chapter 3, a scripture that you all know very well, Sunday school class. Verse 16 says, John 3, For God so that he, that whoever shall not but have, go to the top of the class, all of you are awesome. Now that's often the, the only bit we read. But you go to verse 14 and the scripture says, John inspired by the Holy Spirit says, for just as, the, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. For whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. And then it goes, for God so loved the world. John is directly tying the cross of Christ to the serpent on a pole. Bad snake becomes Jesus. Here's the deal. So encouraging this. Every bit of snake deception, every bit of snake bitterness, fear, evil, insecurity, weakness, sin, sickness, Jesus has nailed to the cross. And so as you look at the cross of Christ and confess Him, those things become powerless in your life. Ironically, it's those things that close our mouth and our confession that cause us to wallow in the morass of mediocrity and confess things after our facts, not the truth. When we realise those things are nailed to a cross, we understand that we are free to live a life of confessing the Word of God over the circumstance in our life. Not only that, but the things that interfere and would be uh, between us and us confessing God to embrace other cultures are also on that cross. That fear that would stop you from inviting someone to 3D. Title of the message, Language of Momentum, or if you like, pre-3D. That'd be nailed to the cross. And so I want to throw the gauntlet of challenge down to you right now. You look around, there's probably not room for you and five friends if everyone bought them, but there's a whole bunch of other services. Can I really encourage you that if this is your preferred service, and you are awesome, you're so responsive, and the worship, your worship to God was just so exciting, exhilarating this morning. As Ryan, the coolest worship leader in the world, <laughs> led you in worship, hello. <clears throat> when I grow up, I want to be him. Oh, he does that guitar. He's kind of got the moves, that's awesome. Maybe you'd be prepared for the sake of people understanding there's a God in heaven that cared so much that he nailed their insecurities, nailed their weaknesses, nailed their sicknesses to a cross that they might be born again. Maybe, just maybe, you'd reconsider, because it's not about you, which service you'd attend. And just maybe next week, you might get yourself busy this week asking four or five people to come along to this wonderful opportunity at the start 
of a whole new season in church life. The kids are back at school. People are making important decisions. You guys have had momentum through summer, which is ridiculous. Who knows what's going to happen in the next season? You can be a spectator to the momentum or you can actually engage fully by choosing to frame your world in a God-sized way, not in the smallness of your own confession. The fear that would stop you has been nailed to a cross. The rejection that you're afraid of is nailed to a cross. The insecurity and the weakness that you so often focus on is nailed to a cross. So what's, what are you waiting for? Go for it this week. And maybe, why don't you consider bringing them to the 6 o'clock service on Saturday night and, and say, let's, let's go out to dinner afterwards. Man, you've got some awesome restaurants around here. For the sake of the gospel. You see, your words frame your world, but your words are also the key to building a bridge to another's world. Your words align with a heart that genuinely loves people. But it doesn't end there. Your words are the key in confessing them to your own eternal world. And we're at that bit right now, just for the next few minutes. We're going to do some business with God. Look at you. You look wonderful now. I bet you'd even look better in 3D glasses. <laughs> Where do you stand with Jesus, my friend? In a moment, we're all going to pray together. I'm going to unite my faith with your faith. We're going to partner together. For every single person here that would say, you know what? I've been drifting. My, my, the, I've come off the boil in my relationship with Christ. I'm really, if I'm honest, pull the mask off, get behind the, from behind the facade. It's not happening for me in terms of my, my heart of hearts and Jesus. If you would humble your heart, you might be a deacon in this church, you could be an elder, you might be one of the pastors. And you go, you know what, it's not happening for me. You might be someone brand new or someone's been in this house for, for the last 10 years or so. If it's not happening, let's get real authentic and honest. We love doing that in, in Oz. Just, let's get real honest before God and say, Jesus, Jesus, who am I trying to kid? I want all you've got for me. I need to come back into relationship with you. I'm distant from you right now, Lord. In a moment, I'm going to get you to lift your hand so that I know who I'm praying for and we can join our faith together. I don't want you to do anything. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to get you forward. I just want to know where you are in your seat. Could you close your eyes right across the house? That will do two things. It'll give you some privacy and stop you from being distracted with those around you. Ask yourself this question, where do I stand with God? Where do I stand with God? In your heart of hearts, is it really happening for you? Because Jesus is here. His Holy Spirit is walking amongst you, bringing a sense of conviction, a sense of, come on, come on. This is about you and about you and Jesus. With every eye closed and every head bowed right across the house, you say, Michael, that's where I'm at. I need to get my life right with Christ. Can you, as we move toward the close of this service, can you pray with me? Can you, can you join your faith with mine right now? All over the house, every single one, where that's resonating in your heart. Right now, let me see your hand. Lift it straight up in the air. Say, yeah, that's me. God bless you. Hands everywhere. God bless you over on my left. All oh, family up the back. That's wonderful. God bless you. God bless you. Good on you, mate, with your cap back the, the wrong way. I wish I could wear one of those myself. God bless you. Lovely ladies down here and gentlemen. Up the back there, lovely lady here with the baby. A couple of wonderful girls down the front here. There, 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 there. 
God bless you right up the back. You too. Yep, you. God bless you here. Wonderful, wonderful. Gentleman with the orange shirt up the back there. That's fantastic. There, 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 there. Wonderful. Church, can we just encourage those people that are responding to Jesus today? Come on. Come on. That's fantastic. A new day. It's a new season. I don't want to miss anyone. I don't want to miss anyone right now. If you haven't raised your hand, I just, I just sense just for a moment longer. I was only joking about the two and a half hours. We're nearly done. For a moment longer, if you didn't raise your hand, but there's still this, yeah, God's speaking to me. I don't want you to miss your opportunity. If you, if you, if you haven't raised your hand, but you want to, just before we pray, could you lift it straight up in the air? Come on. Have boldness and confidence. Yeah, you are worth waiting for. God bless you. Yep, 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 yep. Fantastic. Right up the back there. Wonderful. Yep, over there too. Oh boy, I don't want to miss anyone. Fantastic, sir. God bless you. The Bible says they, by faith, they, good on you, mate. I just missed you there, little fellow there on your dad's knee. This is a real special day for you. The Bible says that by faith we understand. See, this is not just words. It's actually trusting that what Christ has done for us is enough for our salvation. And not only our sin, but our sicknesses have actually, have actually been nailed to a cross. So I want you to pray as a people of faith, whether you raised your hand or not, this is the day of transformation. It's a fresh start for many of you and for some for the very first time. And so whether you raise your hand, church, I want you to pray River Valley with faith in your hearts on behalf of those that are getting their lives right with Christ today. Can we do that? Come on, join me right now. Let's all pray this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, come on River Valley. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the Name of Jesus and I acknowledge my need of you. From my heart, with my mouth, I confess Jesus as my Saviour. I believe that You died for me on that cross and You took all of those snake-like characteristics and nailed them to that tree. You gave Your life for me that I might receive forgiveness of my sin. You rose again on the third day and conquered death once, once and for all. With the help of your Holy Spirit, I want to live every day to please you. In Jesus' Name, Amen and Amen. Once again, can we really thank God for people responding to Jesus? Wonderful. Love it. Now, one of the things that River Valley is notorious for, in a good sense, is not only people making that really powerful decision like you just made then, but then helping you to know what's next. Everyone say, what's next? In a moment, I'm going to get Pastor Rob to come and share with you. We want to actually meet you. We want to say hi. And uh, how does that normally happen, Pastor Rob? Is that at the front here? Is there a room that they go to to have a chat or just at the front? 
Uh, look, at the end of the service, what I'd love to do, there was a whole bunch of you, I'd love to, I'm gonna come down the front myself and you'll be with prayers. I'm gonna just move around and just pray for you. My heart is so full with, with God's love for you and excitement about what's next for you. And there's a whole bunch of stuff, including life groups. You don't wanna do this life alone in God. There are other people that God has meant for you to connect with. And there's, there's about, I think, 200 life groups that are gonna start in the next couple of weeks. Ladies, great opportunity to bring your girlfriends to Sparkle. And next week with 3D, it's just, it's right there for you. My, my challenge to you once again, the gauntlet's going down. Will you step up to the plate and use the ability God's given you to con- confess Him? Now, I'm not saying in some forced way, it could be as chilled out as, hey, we've got this crazy thing happening in the church next week. Three, everyone's getting 3D glasses. They've been up north. They've got some incredible footage. Pastor Rob is an amazing, I would love you to come. I'm gonna save you a seat. Would you do that? Just ask them. Maybe do it once, twice, three, four, five times this week. River Valley, you have been an honour to preach to today. We love you. We love your pastors. Thank you so much for receiving us. God bless you now.